You're listening to Three Dimensional Theology, where we're going back to the roots of Christianity to rediscover who we are today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Cabe Matthews, and today we're continuing our slow crawl through the Apostles' Creed, including Three Dimensional Theology's first ever interview. Stay tuned. never forget the time I got lost in the woods. We were camping with the Cub Scouts. I must have been in about first or second grade. And you know, I have no idea how this happened. I'm sure I simply wandered off or something. I just remember looking around and suddenly realizing that no one else was there. And I was all alone. And I panicked. I'm sure I hollered. I'm sure I yelled. I may have even screamed. There aren't any bears in Southeast Texas, just like a few coyotes, a fair number of raccoons, and lots and lots of mosquitoes. But with the way that it felt that day, there might as well have been bears. Or worse. Hours went by. I I started to scrounge for food. Days and weeks passed. Or at least that's what it felt like. It may have only been like five minutes. But I was small. And the piney woods around me seemed so big. And I didn't know what to do. But then suddenly... Salvation. Another human person. A face coming into focus. A familiar face. A face with a concerned and sympathetic expression. It's my dad. And there's nothing left to fear. Well, today on Three Dimensional Theology, we're continuing our look at the Apostles' Creed. In this episode, we're going to take a look at God as Father. And since the topic is God, our Father, I thought it might be interesting to do this as an interview show with my own father. His name is George Matthews, and he was kind enough to come over the other day, and I recorded the following conversation. I was thinking about your dad, and you know, we were, we were both pretty close to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, right. you knew him significantly longer than I did. I do, um, but uh, I just wondered if you had a uh, if you just had a if you had a favorite story about William Cannon Matthews that you uh, wanted to share, or just what, what's what's your favorite story about you know I, the I granddaddy? Don't, I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, I have a lot of stories, a lot of memories, uh, and and certainly I knew him longer than you did. I also knew his. Um, meaner, angrier side, I guess, uh, in that he was responsible often for doling out discipline, which wasn't my favorite thing to receive. And uh, as a grandson, I assume that you probably missed out on the pleasures of being on the receiving end of any of that. But, you know, the, the one thing that, that I've 
think fondly of my father was that I think in a lot of respects, he had a very big heart. Uh, He had a lot of compassion. I think he concealed his compassion or didn't didn't wear it on his sleeve necessarily. Mm -hmm. He wasn't out there for everyone. But I distinctly remember back in the mid mid 60s 65 66 67 maybe i don't know the year uh, but we were preparing to go on our vacation and it was going to be with another family we were going to lake fontana in north carolina we're going skiing and i had never skied before uh, my older brother bill your uncle bill he knew how to ski. He had a friend that had a ski boat and had a place out on Lake Sinclair in Georgia. And Al obviously had never skied. And so we were going to Lake Fontana with this other family who had a boat mm-hmm. and a lake in the mountains, uh, lake formed by the dam at Fontana. So it's it's very deep, very quick as you step off the bank. There's not like a gradual beach. But anyway, that, that has nothing to do with the story. Sorry. Uh, but the, the night before we were leaving, I had a bow and arrow. And we had a field of uh, woods behind our house, directly behind our house. This was where we lived this at 1100 Macon? Hill Place. In Macon or? In Macon. Okay. And so it had i think it had been raining or something i'm not 100% sure that probably immaterial also but i was shooting i was shooting arrows at my target and i believe al was out there with me and he might have shot a few arrows i didn't have that many maybe five or six arrows but after shooting the arrows for some insane reason uh i pursued as a competition to get to the arrows before he did which meant I was running to get to the arrows. And there was a mayonnaise jar that I don't know who I don't I don't know where it came from. I don't I don't I don't remember that part of the story. It could have been the result of me shooting it with a BB gun. I don't know. <laughs> but there was a mayonnaise jar that was in the backyard that was sharp. So it was not a complete mayonnaise jar. And I placed my right foot as I was running. You barefoot? Yeah, of course. Summer. Uh, directly <laughs> in front of it. So when I pulled my foot off the ground to take that next stride, effectively I kicked it with my right foot mm-hmm. and uh, cut it my cut my foot in three different places. A total of sixteen stitches that night. And of course, you know, no water activity for you know 10 days to two weeks so there goes george learning how to ski (laughs) and so your grandfather took me basically i rode on his back when when occasionally i would hobble and hop i could do that semi-functionally but i would he would ride me on his back like down to the boat dock and onto the boat with my bandage on my foot and and you're like how old at this point we moved. We moved to Louisiana from Georgia in '69, and I was 12. So you know, probably nine, ten, mm. eleven. Probably nine or ten would be my guess. So not a not a small kid. Nine no, or 10. no, not a puny <laughs> kid. Uh, I mean, I wasn't huge either. I never was. Never. <laughs> you know, I mean, but but anyway, and 
he and this is the story. And sorry for the the the, the long drawn out tale, but he told me as we were walking either to or from the dock on one particular day that when we get back to Macon, I'm going to buy a boat and you can learn how to skate, <laughs> which just, it just, I've always remembered that as being a very, just, I, I don't know, something about it, you know, uh, that, that moves me even to this day when I think about it. Hmm. And he did. And I did too. What is it? He uh, bought a boat and I learned how to skate. <laughs> what is it? What is it about that story that, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, I, I know he cared greatly for, for all three of us, for my two brothers and, and, and I, and I think he would have done the same thing had it been Al or had it been Bill, maybe that had been on his back or that was not able to participate and enjoy the water activity and water sports that were 95% of the, the vacation, the purpose of the vacation. Mm. But it just, it was just meaningful. Mm. It was meaningful. It was move, moving. Mm. It was, it was compassionate. It was giving. Uh, and like I said, I think he would have done that for, for Al or he would have done that for Bill. Yeah. But he did that for me. But he did it for you. Or at least that's the way I remember it. Yeah. I mean, they participated. The boat, the boat was not mine. I mean, you know. Right. Yeah. He didn't yeah. buy you a boat. Yeah, he, he the title wasn't he, in your he name. He was not that generous. <laughs> he did not buy me a boat. Uh, but that just led to many fond memories of yeah. going to Lake Sinclair and going skiing yeah. and uh, getting a big bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken and eating fried chicken and throwing sure. the bones uh, over into the lake. <laughs> you did that back in the sixties. That's probably not proper now, but uh, <laughs> but anyway. But that was it. Yeah. Mm. So the fact that he, the fact that he, so yeah, it wasn't your boat, but he, yeah, he foretold. He, he, I mean, did he basically it for told you. me that this yeah. is this is you're going to learn how to ski. I'm going to get a boat. Yeah. yeah. And maybe maybe. Maybe he was going to get one all along. Maybe he was sure. going to get one before we left. He yeah. just hadn't really told the family. I don't know. The way you remember it is a, is the a way I better remember story. It, he told me and potentially told me first. Yeah. Which, and, and kind of like the disappointment of that trip for you. And I think, I think he knew, I think he knew it was disappointing. It was hard on me. I didn't mope. I don't, I don't recall moping around over, over the issue. I mean, I am the one that set my foot in front of the mayonnaise jar. I'm not 100% sure that I was the one that made it jagged and broken. I could have been. <laughs> but so, you know, you, you get what you deserve if, if I was. But anyway, it's just a just a special brief story. Well, yeah. a brief story. <laughs> it's brief enough. The nice thing about this is I can edit, so, you know, it's okay. Feel free. It's all good. <laughs> so, um, so when you're a kid... Um, you've got stories like this about um, about your father, my grandfather. Um, what did you What did you think about fatherhood when you were a kid? Do you have any idea? Do you have any recollection? What What did fatherhood mean for you, or what do you think it meant to be to be a dad? You know, you I got I got glimpses. I think uh, as a kid that one of the guiding. I don't know if it would be a principle, but but one of the one of the one of the components of fatherhood was was protection mm. for for your children, and I remember just on a couple of different occasions where my father got very animated and visibly annoyed and combative with other people, whether they were 
older kids, maybe teenagers, or possibly even young adults mm-hmm. uh, that he felt were doing something that were that was threatening to his one of his boys, and he he was he was very protective. He was you know get in your face uh, if you needed to be corrected. Uh, but likewise, he was he was that same way with us too. If we were uh, if if we were transgressing, we would uh, we we could get that wrath also. And I think I probably got more than my share. <laughs> more than your share? You didn't you didn't just get your share? You no, think you got? I, no, as the as the as the second of three, I always wanted to keep up with my older brother. He was uh, obviously older, more mature, uh, as you would expect. I was younger, less mature, and less experienced on how to do things in a way to not draw attention to myself. So <laughs> I got caught. I wouldn't say that I did more than he did. I just was got the benefit of being caught more than he did. Okay, so not necessarily that you you got more than you deserved. You just got more than you know. I got caught more than your like got, you know got, one third share. Of <laughs> I got caught more than anybody else. There, there, there it is. And then Al, on the other hand. Obviously, watched what I did and what happened with me, and knew that okay, there's the bar. I just don't want to go any further than I'll stay just (laughs) short of that, and I'll be okay. And he was. I don't think he caused him a a bit of trouble that they know of or knew (laughs) of. But anyway, classic middle child. It's just put upon. Yeah, just. Well, yeah, I know know what it's like. You know what it's like. I know. I know. Probably didn't spend a lot of time trying to emulate your sister which we <laughs> I guess we're okay with that. Yeah. But I mean you still you still probably wanted to do some of the things some of the freedoms that Sarah had uh as a as a 9-year-old you probably wanted them when you were 7 and they weren't uh, for the for someone of a 7-year-old maturity they were probably 9-year-old you know responsibilities. Sure, sure. <laughs> So, um, so speaking of Sarah, um, Sarah's your Sarah's your oldest. Sarah's your first, your first child, your first daughter, your first she kid. Is. Um, can you just, I, you know, I know you've, I know I've heard the story a ton of times, and you know, but can you just walk through like what was it like when what was it like becoming a father? <laughs> it's. Um... It's hard to describe because you really don't, I don't think you really appreciate it when it happens. I mean, the expectation, the expectation was that, okay, you're getting married and sure, you sooner or later will have children. That just was kind of the expectation. And so when your mother was expecting, there was a lot of excitement about it. It wasn't the easiest thing to to conceive the first time. Uh, there were some issues around that, but it, but it, but it all worked out. It was a lot of excitement. It was almost like you know achieving something even before you know Sarah was born. Hmm. But we, uh, you know, the day the day Sarah was born was uh, the day of my uh, computer science final, which I skipped uh, because I was at the. Uh, Woman's Hospital in Baton Rouge, um, but you know, I think early on it was it was it was novel. It was really cool. It was love at first sight, without a doubt. Mm. Uh, it was it was powerful. Uh, the emotion the emotion of uh, of a of a life that uh, 
uh, you know, I, I don't know. I always felt that anyone that had witnessed childbirth and had any doubt of supreme being of a god, it, it, it is missing something. I, that, mm. I don't. I don't see that. I don't see all these pieces and parts coming together just as happenstance. Mm. I, I mean, nature is really, really phenomenal, but I don't see this as just you know things just lined up. Mm. Uh, I mean, to come out with you know ten fingers and ten toes, and and to to squeal and to be real pink and 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 be completely totally dependent on your mother mostly and I to care for her mm. is uh it's 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 pretty daunting. But but. Anyway, that's that's how that started. But you don't know. You don't know what you're doing when when it first happens. You really don't. Yeah. And you know, it was. Uh, I think you just grow into it. I think you just grow into it. But like like I mentioned about Granddaddy, mm-hmm. I think you one of the one of the first things that that kicks in and takes over is the the impulse of the drive to to protect that that's mm. that child depends on you to protect her him or her and uh, honestly i don't think that ever goes away mm. i mean as we sit here today i still have some ingrained expectation that if if we were if we were in peril you know in in 5 seconds that mm. my primary responsibility is to make sure that that you survive. Hmm. I mean, it's just not that I'm a, not that I want to be a martyr at sure. all, but it just it just you don't want anything to happen to your children. You want to protect your children. You hmm. absolutely don't want to don't want any of your children to predecease you. Now you don't you don't control that one hundred percent. But and you know you have to you have to. You have to take what life gives you uh, as as you get older and as they get older and as they mature mm-hmm. into adults themselves. But it's uh, it that to me is the most powerful or the the most prominent instinctive thing about fatherhood mm-hmm. is the protection. Yeah, the protection thing. So so what did that what did that feel like to to be a father? I don't, I don't, I don't know how to. I don't know how to sum it up. I don't. How, to, how does it feel to be a father? Uh, it's an awesome responsibility. Uh, it's an awesome responsibility that I embraced the first time and uh, was not scared off. So I engaged it two more times. <laughs> uh, but repeat customer. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and you know, with with each as as you. Hopefully, one day we'll know. They're all, all all children are different, and so what works for you doesn't work for Sarah, and doesn't work for Allison. If anything, worked for Allison. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, yeah, realistically, I, what it means to be a father, uh, it's an all it's an awesome honor. Uh, it's a privilege, mm. but it's uh, it's it's got a lot of responsibility, and it doesn't come with a playbook. You don't come with a guide uh, of you know, fatherhood for dummies. I mean, you just you have to figure it out as you go. <laughs> of course, 
we should probably add, like, I'm sure that that book exists. <laughs> I'm sure that the, well, the you, good people at For Dummies have thought to include that one among their catalog, but I'm sure it would only marginally help. You're, you're probably right. You're <laughs> yeah, probably like, right. That book probably literally exists, but even reading a book, probably you're, the point that you're making would still stand. Yeah, I mean, you just don't know what you, you know, I don't, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that you, there's a computer chip, no, no, no children come with a computer chip you can plug into your laptop yeah, sure. and determine how you're going to, sure. how you're going to oh, respond yeah, yeah, yeah. to this, this issue or that. Yeah, there's got to be some, like, wisdom, I guess, that you've got to, you've got to, like, discern, you've got to, like, figure stuff out. Yes. Um, uniquely. So, well, what do you think of the fact that we refer to God as a father for for me it in this certainly is not based on any any theology okay i'll get uh, rid of the caveats man okay <laughs> i'm right, asking well, you here. okay well i mean you know if you go back to what we talked about early earlier you know i see i see i see god almighty as as a protector hmm. uh you know of of all of us you know the Sixth chapter of Genesis, you know, notwithstanding, uh, when the, when the flood came, so I don't know that he necessarily was trying to protect them then, but 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 <laughs> but you know, he's the protector. Now he can't protect he can't protect us from ourselves necessarily. Just like I can't protect you from yourself to the extent you uh, you want to do yourself harm. But I, I think God, as a father, to me symbolically. Is you know he is our protector. He is uh, he is the one that watches over us. He's the one that probably is is you know, broken hearted when we when we really mess up. Mm. Uh, I think he's like fathers, like 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 I am, and most fathers, hopefully all, but. And love their children unconditionally. That mm. doesn't mean that you like them all the time or like <laughs> what they do, but I sure. think that's kind of his. I think that's kind of his thing. I think I think he loves us all unconditionally mm. and wants us wants to protect us and and keep us safe and see us prosper and and sure. and survive and 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 live our lives honoring honoring him and making him proud you know sure. just like yeah. just like uh you and 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 sarah and, and allison you know i not a day that goes by that i don't think of you guys and i always think of you in very proud very prideful uh moments especially now as you all are in your 30s and uh all doing well and all you have overcome your potential dysfunctional upbringing and uh <laughs> you know it's uh you you all are in a good spot and that that makes a, a dad makes a father proud yeah so um okay so so you kind of um talking about god as father you talked about this kind of um softer side of fatherhood that you you talked about with your own father and certainly like i mean i i know like you kind of experienced yourself but another side of things that you certainly talked about when it came to your own father uh, you didn't mention any uh fond memories of disciplining us but 
Uh, certainly when you were talking about your own father, <laughs> you talked about, uh, you talked about that. Those are kind of two sides of the, of the thing, kind of the softness, but also like disciplinarian, uh, kind of thing you said, you, you know, you got, you got more than your fair share of, um, and that's kind of another thing that we see maybe in the, in the old Testament, I don't know, like, uh, or especially in the old Testament, but, um, other places as well. Um, I don't know, like, what do you, um, what do you think of, what do you think of God as disciplinarian, like that side of fatherhood? I mean, I don't, I don't really look at God that way. I, I know that numerous times I heard my father tell me that this was going to, this is going to hurt him more than it hurts me. And that's, that's with him right. with a belt in his hand. And I, I didn't really buy it at the time, and I don't know that I still buy it. But it's a different kind of hurt. Wow. You yeah. don't you don't enjoy. It. That's not anything that you enjoy. Uh, disciplining your your child or seeing your child hurt, and make no mistake, when the belt goes back and comes back down on your on your butt or your backside or wherever it hits, it's with the intention of inflicting pain. It's not intended to be pleasant. I don't know that God does that. I don't. I think God potentially, His form of discipline may be allowing you to suffer the consequences of your action, and uh, He can't save you from yourself. And I think that's His form of discipline. And I don't know that that's really discipline. I don't. I don't. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, but there's a kind of uh, maybe a kind of correcting. Or a kind of, uh, you know, I mean, just somebody who wants what's best for his, you know, metaphorical children, you know, like, uh, um, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, that, that's kind of the driving force behind fatherhood. You want, uh, you want what's best for your kids, but you yeah. also have to let them, you have to let them fail. You have to let mm-hmm. them stumble. Uh, you know, if, if, if we never took the training wheels off your bike, you would have never learned to ride a bike. And in taking the training wheels off, you, you fell. It's just part of it. And until you figure it out and get comfortable with your balance, you're going to fall. But you have to go through that pain to grow. And I think that's part of it too. Yeah, for sure. So, um... Okay, so God kind of describes Himself as as Father. Um, we've talked about things like what that what that might what that might say about God. What do you think? What do you think that says about fatherhood, though? Or does that say anything to you about fatherhood? Say that one more time. So we t- <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. So we talked about um, we talked God. God describes Himself as Father. Jesus calls God my, my heavenly Father. Whatever. Um, and we talked about what what that might mean, sort of thinking about fatherhood, what that might mean for God or God's character or something like that. Um, what do you think, the fact that God calls himself father, what do you think that means for fatherhood? Well, oh, okay. Uh, that, that, you know, God is father. What it means for fatherhood is, you know, potentially setting a pretty high bar uh, hmm. for fathers, for uh for mortal mortal fathers mm. um, I've made in most fathers probably every father makes makes mistakes uh, I don't know that God necessarily you know is in that category 
Yeah, I think well, kind of by definition, he's sort of. A, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he figured that out. Yeah. But, but but I mean, realistically, you know, I make mistakes. I still make mistakes. I'll continue to make mistakes. Um, and so will you. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It just that's right. it's just part of it. But besides, so that's, that's all. I, that's all I can think of. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, that's yeah. kind of a that's a good that's a good interview question for somebody smarter than I. <laughs> So that was just a part of the conversation with my dad the other day, only very lightly edited, actually. Come on back next week to hear just a little bit more from our conversation where we're just going to talk about actually just fatherhood in general. But the first person of the Trinity, we call God the Father. And just in closing here, like all metaphors, that doesn't tell the whole story. But it does tell a part of the story really well. Kind of like my dad said, fathers at their best are protectors. Sometimes they discipline too, but they do it only for the good of their children. And fathers give good gifts. Maybe even sometimes a boat for learning to water ski. And above all, fathers again at their best offer unconditional love. So when in the Bible God is referred to as the Father, is it really all that surprising? God is a lot bigger and better than your dad. And God is a lot bigger and better even than my dad. But when your dad is at his best, he can be like a parable of the kingdom. And if you're a dad, um, you're listening to this here and you're a dad, being at your best for your kids so that you can be that parable of God's love. That's your task. And that's your goal as a father. And so my hope, my wish for you today is that you would live into that in a big way. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening. If you've got questions or suggestions or ideas or comments, you can hit me up on Twitter at Cabe Matthews or email me, Cabe at 3dtheology.com. Check out the show notes, 3dtheology.com slash three. And hey, if you're enjoying this, the best way to help the show, uh, just head on over to iTunes and leave a quick review. I'd love the feedback, uh, but it can also help other people to find the show. And hey, I can't wait to hang out with you next time on Three Dimensional Theology. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week.